All right. How are you this morning? Good. We are uh, looking at important figures in the Old Testament. And um, we looked at uh, Abraham and Isaac. And this morning I want to look at Jacob. And, and rather than just tell you stories about Jacob, what I've kind of done is taken them and grouped them together in personality characteristics that uh, help us see how God was able to use him and why God used him. Because when you stop and think about it, God doesn't use the people that you might expect. He uses those you least expect, once again, so that he might get the glory and not you and I. Genesis 27, 30 through 38, there, there are passages all the way through Genesis 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. It, just, it goes on and on about Jacob, so I just had to narrow it down. And here's one, one interesting story about him and how he worked through it. Genesis 27, verse 30. This is the blessing. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, do you remember Jacob came and disguised himself uh, and pretended to be Esau? And uh, his father blessed him, and then as soon as he blesses him, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. It seems like Esau is always coming in from hunting. He also prepared savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father rise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came and I have blessed him. Yes, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came with guile and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob for he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. Do you remember when he, uh, Esau came in and traded his birthright for a bowl of vegetable soup, a bowl of pottage? He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. He said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered Esau, behold, I have made him your Lord, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. There was nothing to be done. Isaac had blessed um, the younger brother Jacob instead of the older brother Esau. Jacob had, had tricked him into doing that, and once that's done, it's done. And Esau wept. Let's bow together. God, when we see the life of Jacob and how you still chose him and used him, it's amazing. We, we just expect everybody that you used to be perfect. And yet we realize they were human. And their errors and their mistakes were not glossed over when the story was recorded for us. Probably to show us that you can use us too. Imperfections, sins, and all. So bring us to that point, God, where we're willing to be used by you knowing we have no excuse. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let me ask you a hypothetical question. What kind of person does God use? 
Obviously, it's not someone who's perfect. Um, he uses, from what we looked at in the apostles in the New Testament, what we've looked at with Abraham and Isaac, obviously God can and has and will use anybody and everybody who's willing to be used. When uh, God needed, it's kind of funny, when God needed a spokesman to lead his children out of bondage in Egypt and to go to Pharaoh and to say, let my people go, to stand up to Pharaoh, the, the most powerful person in the world in that day because Egypt was the most powerful country, the most powerful army. Whom did God use to be his spokesman? Moses, somebody with a speech impediment to be his spokesman. When, God, when the Philistine army was lined up across the valley and they were hurling taunts at the, the Israelites, God's chosen people, and a, their, their warrior named Goliath, a giant, weapons and armor came forward and dared the children of Israel to send them their, their mightiest warrior. Whom did God use? David, a teenage shepherd boy with a slingshot. When God was ready to take the church to the next level, when it had gone as far as it could with the early apostles and, and they were kind of in a, at a standstill on a plateau, whom did God use to encourage the church and to lead it forward? It was Paul, the greatest persecutor of the church in that day. Someone with a speech impediment, a shepherd boy with a slingshot, the persecutor of the church. God uses those folks to accomplish his purposes to show us that he can use anybody and everybody. I love the limerick, uh, even the fact that God chose the Jewish nation, the Hebrew people, to be his people and he to be their God. You know, someone wrote, how odd of God to choose the Jews. And Ogden Nash, who was the champion of limericks, replied, it wasn't odd the Jews chose God. So you might think the, thing, the things that you expect are not what happens, and when it comes to God and whom he chooses and what he does through them are usually what we least expect. So when it comes to God, just learn to expect the unexpected. Learn to be surprised because he's not going to go by your game plan and your outline and your ideas and thoughts and plans for what he ought to be doing. Look at Jacob. If Jacob was anything, he was a conniver. He was a conniving. We would call, I guess our word today is we would say he was shady. He was a shady character, uh, a scoundrel. He robbed his older brother twice. Esau repeated him when he came into his father. The first time was when he uh, robbed Esau of his birthright by catching him in a weak moment when he's hungry. And Esau says, what good is a birthright if I starve to death? And Jacob says, give me your birthright and I will give you this bowl of pottage. Esau says, okay. So he trades his birthright for a bowl of soup and that, that lasts a few, a few minutes. And then he disguises himself when uh, his mom, Rebecca, hears that, that uh, Isaac is getting ready to bless his firstborn son. He says, go out and, and kill some game and prepare it and bring it in and serve me and I will bless you, Esau. Esau goes out and goes hunting. Rebekah hears Isaac make that promise, and so she whispers that to Jacob, and Jacob already has some food ready, and he prepares it quickly, and he puts on a, a hairy coat 
and uh, goes in. Isaac is blind. He's nearing the end of his life. And Isaac reaches out and, feel, and fills that hairy mantle that is on Jacob. And he smells of him and he eats the food and he blesses Jacob. And as we looked last week, once a blessing is uttered, those words take on a life of their own. They cannot be recalled. And Jacob receives the blessing. And then Esau comes in in our story today and says, here's your meal, father. Bless me. And Isaac says, who's this? And Esau said, it's your oldest son, Esau, whom you told to go out and, and kill some game and bring it in and feed you and you would bless me. And Esau said, your brother Jacob's already done it. He's already taken the blessing that was intended for you. And so there's Jacob cheating his older brother twice. Well, when Esau finds out, he says, I hate my younger brother. I'm going to kill him. So what do you think Jacob and Esau's mom, Rebecca, does? She hears Esau utter those words, and since Jacob is her favorite, she sends Jacob off into hiding in a land called Paddan Aram, which is the land of her brother, Laban. So Jacob hightails it off to Paddan Aram to live with his uncle Laban. And while there, he begins to accumulate game, uh, goats, lambs, herds, and um, He's doing this for Laban, and, Laban and, and, and Jacob comes to Laban and says, once again, this is another conniving thing. He comes to Laban and says, why should I work for you for free? And Laban says, well, I'll tell you what, you take part of the herd, and I'll take the rest. And Jacob says, okay, I'll take all the herd, uh, the goats that are spotted and speckled and, and the colored lambs, I'll take those, and you take all the rest. Sounds fair enough. Until you read the last part of Genesis 3, and those of you who are in the experiment station need to read this because it's the first example of selective breeding that I found in Scripture. Jacob does something, I've read it several times, and I'm not quite, not quite sure what he does, but somehow he manages to take the stronger goats and lambs and inter, interbreed them. And so they become spotted and speckled and dark. And he leaves those who are not spotted and speckled and dark for Laban. And uh, oh, he crossbreeds his, and, he, and then he interbreeds Laban. So Laban's becomes weaker and smaller. And Jacob's becomes larger and stronger from crossbreeding. And so once again, he has tricked Laban. And Laban comes and says, why is my herd so much smaller than yours? And Jacob says, I, I don't know. You know, that's just how God's blessed me. And uh, all the while, he was, he was doing some crossbreeding to make more stronger uh, lambs and goats in his herd and those smaller and weaker in Laban's herd. Jacob would do just about anything to get ahead. He was a supplanter. He was a trickster. He was a scoundrel. And yet God uses Jacob to build his nation. He uses Jacob to build his nation. As a matter of fact, we'll talk about it in a minute, that, that point where uh, an angel of God comes and wrestles with Jacob at the river Jabbok, and Jacob hangs on to him. The angel says, your name shall be Israel, because you have striven, you have wrestled with God. And he changes Jacob's name to Israel. So when you hear the Israelites being called the children of Israel. It doesn't just mean the children of the nation Israel. It means the children of the man named Israel, who is Jacob. 
Because from Jacob come the 12 tribes, and from the 12 tribes comes the nation of the children of Israel, whose first name was Jacob. Why did God use Jacob when he was such a hustler, such a cheat? Well, there's some characteristics, and I've just kind of grouped them together. First of all, he used Jacob because of his boldness. And what I've, what I've looked at Jacob and what comes to mind is that God takes, he takes energetic people, he takes bold people and redirects them for his purpose. For instance, when he wanted to, to have a spokesman among the apostles, he didn't, you know, he had Peter and Andrew and he didn't choose Andrew because Andrew was kind of quiet and retiring. God used Peter. Peter was someone who shot first and took names later. You know, he was basically someone who just spoke often before he thought and, and acted often before he thought. And yet God used Peter and redirected him to be a great person for the church. And when God wanted someone to, to guide the church, he didn't use Barnabas, who was an encourager. He used Paul, who was a persecutor, as I said, someone who was out who was using his energy and time and talents to attack the church. And God did not destroy those talents. He just redirected them for his kingdom and for his purpose. And so God took Jacob's boldness, the boldness that, that he displayed when he, in tricking Esau twice and manipulating the herd for his gain from Laban and wrestling with the angel. God took all that boldness and redirected it and used it for the Hebrew people. All those characteristics, all those qualities, God does not erase our, our characteristics, our weaknesses. He just redirects them and uses them for his purpose and for his plan. So all of us are unique. All of us have gifts and talents. All of us have disadvantages and disabilities, weaknesses. God doesn't erase them all, but he cleanses them. He baptizes them, if you want to use that word and he directs them toward his kingdom and his purpose when we dedicate our lives and our talents and our energies to him. God took Jacob's boldness and redirected it for his kingdom. Secondly, the fact that Jacob was willing to grow. Jacob was always a work in progress. Thank goodness. The, the, the characteristics that Jacob displayed in his youth were modified, and he grew through that, and he developed further as he aged. As his life unfolded. Early, Jacob was the master of instant gratification. And so was Esau, as a matter of fact. Just the fact that he would sell his birthright for a book. You know, instant, immediate gratification. That was all Jacob was interested in. But later on, you see Jacob's character developing. And he, he got to where he was willing to work for something. Do you remember his wife? He's living with Laban. He's already cheated Laban out of most of his, his herd of lambs and goats, but he has, he has his eye on a daughter. And uh, he works for Rachel for 14 years. First seven he spends with uh, Laban. He gets Leah for a wife. Do you remember that story? And then he realizes it's not Rachel, and, and uh, Laban says, well, here, work another seven years, and you can have my other daughter, Rachel. And so he does that. And then... Jacob also wrestles with that angel until he receives a blessing from God. 
So he does not give up. He does not give in. He grows. He changes. And this is what I want to say about that. Listen to me here. The most important fact in a person's life whom God uses is not what he already knows. It's what he's willing to learn. Did you hear me? The most important characteristic in a person's life that God uses is not what that person already knows. It's what they're willing to learn. You know, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. And that's why young people think they know everything. Because they don't, they don't know anything. And so their area of knowledge is small. But the more you grow, the more you realize there is to learn. The more you realize there is to do. And one of the great characteristics about Jacob was not what he knew. It was that he was willing to learn. There's so many illustrations about that. I love sports illustrations. Um, when Yogi Berra came up to the, the New York Yankees in 1947, he was small and slow. He was a catcher. And they said when he, when he threw it out from, uh, from catching to second base, the pitchers had to duck because he often hit the pitchers in the chest. He was so wild. But the thing that made Yogi Berra so unique and uh, winning most valuable player three times and setting 18 World Series records is the fact that Yogi Berra was willing to learn. And he never quit learning, and he never quit practicing, and he never quit improving. And so an important characteristic is growth, and you're willing to develop and grow and change. I love to see our senior adults studying the Bible. And you think, gosh, you've been doing it so long, you don't need to do that anymore. No, they're still learning. There's so much to learn when it comes to, to God and his kingdom and Jesus and his love for us and what he's done for us. If you ever get to the point where you think you've arrived in your relationship with God, then you started dying. But as long as we're growing and learning and changing and developing, God can still use us. And that's what he did with Jacob because he was willing to learn. The third characteristic was Jacob's persistence. And I've already alluded to that in uh, the story of his wives. And you know that story? He goes to Laban. He's tricked him out of his herds. And he falls in love. And this is love at first sight. In Genesis, I've got to read this to you because you won't believe it. 29.11, love at first sight. When he sees Rachel and he lays his eyes on her for the first time, guys, I would not recommend this, but he... He throws his arms around her, he kisses her, and he starts crying. Genesis 29, 11. Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob, the first time they met, kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was his father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father, Laban. So the first time he lays eyes on her, he throws his arms around her. He kisses her and he starts crying. Ladies, I'm not sure how you would respond to that to a complete stranger today. But that's the love that Jacob had for Rachel. And so said, uh, Laban says, you can marry Rachel if you work for her for seven years. And so Jacob worked for Laban for seven years. And at the end of seven years, they marry. Only the next morning after their wedding night, it's not Rachel. Who is it? 
It's Leah. And Jacob says, what is this you have done to me, Laban? You promised me that I could marry Rachel if I worked for seven years. And Laban said, oh, did I not mention to you the small print? There was an older daughter named Leah. And how could I marry off the younger daughter when the older daughter is not married? And, I, you know, I read that, and first of all, I thought, Jacob just got a taste of his own medicine, didn't he? Jacob's been tricking people his whole life, and the trickster has been tricked. And then I started wondering, how did Leah and Rachel feel about that? First of all, Leah gets married because the groom thinks she's another woman, his younger sister, and then here's Rachel, the younger sister, and she thinks she's getting, getting ready to get married. And instead, the father takes her older sister and gives her to the groom instead. So everybody has been played by Laban. But uh, Jacob was, I mean, he just had it coming. That's what he had done his whole life. And so, you know, when, when uh, he worked those seven years for Rachel, there's a funny verse, 2920. He says, Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Those seven years seemed like only a few days because he loved her that much. And then he ends up marrying Leah and doesn't find out until the next morning. So what does he do? Laban says, work another seven years and you can have my daughter, Rachel. Now, if I'm Jacob, the first question I'm going to ask is, do you have any other older sisters? Apparently not, because at the end of the second seven years, Jacob marries Rachel, and so now he has two wives. Rachel, who's beautiful. Leah, it says, who's weak-eyed. I don't exactly know what that means. Maybe she's cross-eyed. Maybe, you know, there's something not quite attractive about her. But uh, he has two wives. And what's important here is that anyone who works for God, anyone who serves him, will find out the importance of persistence of staying at it. The problem with Christians today is we just give up too easily. We throw in the towel, we say, this living the Christian life is too hard. No one else is doing it. And I feel like I'm all, it's kind of like Elijah. I'm, I, only I am faithful to you, God. No. The question is how committed are you to be to the kingdom of God and staying faithful until the end? And that's, that persistence was Jacob's characteristic when he wrestled that angel in Genesis 33. It says in Genesis 33, uh, 22 and following, um, Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh and Jacob's thigh was put out of joint and he wrestled with him. And still Jacob held on. He, he dislocated his hip. And uh, Jacob still held on. He persisted. He did not let go because he knew this was an angel from God. I will not let you go unless you bless me. He said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So because Jacob held on and wrestled for God, he changed his name from Jacob to Israel, and, and this is the man that God was going to work through to create a mighty nation. What kind of person does God use? Anybody and everybody. 
He takes your characteristics and redirects them for his kingdom. Somebody who's willing to grow and learn and change. You have not arrived. You do not need to stop. You may have been a Christian a long time and you used to have a quiet time, but you don't anymore. Um, someone who knows that there's, there's more to learn about God, more to, to do for the Lord, more, to, more people to love, more lost people who need to hear, who does not throw in the towel and give up because the job seems overwhelming, but just stays at it and grows and persists. He used a man with a speech impediment to be his spokesman with Pharaoh. He used a boy with a slingshot to come against Goliath. He used the greatest persecutor of the church to be the one who would plant many churches and help write letters in the New Testament to guide the church into the future. And he used a scoundrel named Jacob to be his namesake for his people Israel. I started out with a limerick, how odd of God to choose the Jews. And Ogden Nash replying, it wasn't odd that the Jews chose God. So I kind of figured I had to write one. And so I wrote, how odd of God to use even me. And odder still, he might use thee. Let's bow together. Father, there's, there's no bigger cheat or scoundrel in the Bible than Jacob. And yet it was through him that you birthed the nation Israel. And we just see over and over again that the, the men and women that you use aren't perfect as we might have assumed. <laughs> but they have their flaws and their failures and their sins. But you take their personalities and you redirect them and you use the gifts that they have, their, their, their spiritual gifts, their, their characteristics. And you use it for your kingdom. And they're willing to grow and, and where they start in their relationship with you is not where they end up. And through that faith and growth, you're able to teach them many things. And I guess the most important characteristic, Lord, is that they, they don't stop growing, but they persist. And they don't give up just because it gets hard or because they face opposition and people oppose them or because they might be the only one trying to serve you or so they feel. But you continue to, to work with them and, and they just hang on to you like Jacob did with the angel. Just hang on and not let go. And you will bless them and use them if they persist. God, it's, it's an odd thing that you use any of us. And yet we are all you have. And we are whom you want to use. So help us be available and willing to grow and persist for you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.